welcome, and it's great to worship together with the choir. It's great to worship with you. Say hi to somebody next to you. Say hello, hello. <laughs> I want to say hello to you. Um, just, just before I go into the message, I am so thankful for just this community. Uh, not in a sentimental way only. I miss you a lot. I'm thankful for the way that you uh, came together in crisis, in prayer. You came together in support. Uh, some of you stepped up in roles that were not even handed, but you saw a need. And I just realized this is what a community looks like. We're not perfect. We don't look crisp. We're not cool. We're not, you know, hit with the community, the generation of the times. But we're real. And what God is calling us to be is real. And what the world is longing for is a community that's real and that loves God. Um, we, we're praying for Pastor Chang Jo still, and I ask that you would continue to pray for his family, uh, because, in particular, because his wife's pregnancy and her diabetes is starting to be uh, problematic as they're go- going through stress up there. So if you could keep that in prayer. And so our prayer meeting next week, I thank uh, Pia, Pastor Pia, who really became a, a pastor in this community, uh, and just to just gather and pray and lift one another up in prayer. I do want to thank uh, Pia, Pat, the staff. I thank, want to thank the elders, deacons, and all of you. And I just feel like, man, this was one of the reasons why they say, Pastor, you need to go on sabbatical once every time because you, sometimes you, you feel like you run the show. I don't believe I run the show. I try to give the show if there's anything. But th- by the dynamic, that becomes a nature, and a church is not the pastor. The church is Christ the head, and we are his people. We're his body. Amen? And so we're thankful for that. And so I'm great to be here, grateful to be here. I'm a little nervous. Kathy and I were like, I was sharing with her, like, I'm like nervous. I haven't preached. And so, but it's the word of God and the Holy Spirit, and it's our hearts open wide. So would you join me in prayer to receive God's truth in this day as we turn to the Lord and his word? Jesus, you are Logos, the Word, and the Word became flesh. It walked amongst us. It dwelled in our midst. You give us your Word to not only fill up with knowledge, but to understand your heart and to live out and to obey and to know that you are more than enough. Jesus, we want to see you as our only thing so that you may become our everything. And in a world that is reminded of anniversaries of tragedies and terror attacks, we know hope arises because you rose from the dead. And we pray that that hope would be carried out from this community into the world, wherever we work, wherever we live, wherever we are, that your hope may shine in how we live and how we convey the glorious King. Thank you, God. Speak and help us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Open our eyes, Lord, to your beautiful truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I can't believe it, uh, but you're seeing stories now, but it's been 15 years since September 11th, and today is that anniversary. A tour guide in New York City uh, who goes to the tribute uh, area for 9-11 was sharing that Tourists come and they barely remember what they did yesterday. Do you? I mean, some of you maybe are like, what did I do yesterday? I have to reflect. 
But 9-11, she said that from all corners of the world, people remember precisely where they were, what they were doing, what they were wearing. I mean, I remember mine exactly. I shared it with you once before. It was literally exactly a month after our wedding. Uh, Kathy and I, I was, I, was waking, I was in bed, and Kathy said, we just got bombed. And we just went downstairs to the TV, and I remember the day, and we saw, we actually drove out, we were like, this can't be real, and we saw the smoke from the Manhattan skyline rising already. And we're just, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, this can't be happening right now. And so for 48 hours, we're just glued to CNN and TV and news, listening for any news we could get. And reflecting on that, there are times, I think, when we realized 9-11 struck a nerve. It was my generation's Pearl Harbor, where we remember that's just shifted our whole worldview. Because we never imagined that an attack could happen on our country, in our backyard, in New York City, and Pentagon. I mean, how, how does that happen? And one of the emotional, visceral things I think that came out of all of us was this fear, anger, and just this vulnerability. We're America. We're the most powerful nation in the world. How could this happen to us? And to put it another way, our foundations and our just security was shaken. And so now when you go to the airport, we experienced this this summer, you know, you go through the TSA line, you go through everything. You're, you're kind of looking over and you're, you're hearing things. Uh, you're, you're hoping to not hear anybody you know, say bomb or gun, and, and you're hoping that you don't hear news more of this, but it's the new reality. And so in a time like this, how do we step forward? Where does our strength come from? And it invokes questions in us, doesn't it? I know the questions that arose in my youth group when I was a youth pastor, you know, how could God let this happen, right? Well, why is evil showing itself this way? Where do we get our strength, and how do we move forward? And so that question still lingers to us today. I just read an article yesterday that says, in the recent five years, the pain of September 11th and the division got worse. So we were getting better as unified in that, in that attack and real, recognized that we have to come together as a country. And the article said in the past five years, we became more anxious, more contentious, more divided. We need a greater hope than just let's stick together. And so I want to turn to Psalm 46. And if you have your Bible or a cell phone, yeah, we're going to be at church. I'm going to let you play with your cell phone as long as you don't do Pokemon Go. And as long as you don't like tweet tweet, and and kind of share with people. But we're going to go through Psalm 46 and kind of run through and reflect on these themes that run through Psalm 46. There's three themes. And let's read it first. The first theme is this comes from verse 1 through 3. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Surging. And the first theme that I see here that is throughout the whole Bible really is this, that injustice, tragedy, evil, and violence is not discriminating. In other words, evil and tragedies don't only happen to bad people. It happens to all people. The psalmist is saying, if you notice, 
Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way. It's as if he's saying, we're not going to be afraid when the earth shakes and the mountains fall and the waters surge. Um, the last week of the sabbatical, I went to visit a friend of mine. Uh, some of you know him, John Griffin, and I drove through Colorado. I just, I'm one of those guys who likes to drive and think and listen and sing songs. And I like to sing because no one could hear me sing in the car out loud, except for truckers who are probably like, what is this guy doing? And so, and then I crossed the Rockies. How many of you have driven on Route 70 East? It is, it is a, I mean, I'm always flying over it, right? Never drive in it. And you're seeing these gorgeous, majestic mountains. And this text is capturing this image. You're surrounded by these bedrock, limestones and shale and all these rocks. And you're wondering, oh my goodness, I see boulders that have fallen and they're like right at the shoulder. <laughs> I see rocks that came onto the shoulder of the road. And then it just occurred to me, if there's an earthquake, it could be a rock just... And I become pancake. And I was genuinely afraid. So I went, speed limit in Utah is 80 miles per hour. So I went, <clears throat> miles per hour. And then, and then I'm reading this text and he said, can you imagine the world where rocks would just, mountains would crush and fall around you? Wow. And what kind of terror would that be? See, this is a literal and a figurative imagery. Literal imagery is waters do rise, mountains do fall. What happened this past summer? We had one of the worst floods in Louisiana. What happened in Italy? 300 people were killed because the earth shook. And the fear and terror of waking up and buildings collapsing all around you. And the psalmist is saying, the world sometimes feels like it falls apart. It's figurative too. Some of our home lives, our marriages fall apart. Our children get ill. Our parents get ill. We lose a job, and the world looks like it's falling apart. And what the psalmist is saying is, it doesn't just happen to bad people. When this tragedy strike, God, you will be my refuge. And I want to highlight that theme because I think we brought into this theology in Western Christianity it wasn't this theology until modern times. What's that theology? The theology that if you come to God and Jesus Christ, I will have comfort and I will be protected. And so when tragedies hit, we say, God, where were you? I can't believe in a God who does evil violence. I'm walking away. And so we had this weird theology that we absorbed that if I believe in God, then bad things can't happen to me. So he's like a, like a voodoo or like a rabbit's foot. I believe in God, so he'll give me comfort. And the psalmist is saying, no. Evil, pain, tragedy is indiscriminate. John Stott, oh, he's a Christian author, and he writes, what happened to this idea that today we live in a world where tragedy, Christian calling is not to life, but is to death. And so Jesus also teaches that and says, listen, you're going to get storms. There's two builders. One guy built his house on sand. One guy built his house on rock. But what happened to both of them? The storms came and the winds blew to both of them. So it's not Jesus saying, if you build a house just the way I like it, guess what's going to happen to you? You'll be protected. You'll never face a storm in your life. No. Jesus says, when you come after me, 
be ready to die. Because I'm calling you out into danger. I'm calling you out into adventure. If anything, you follow me, you're going to be pushed into the most uncomfortable places that you've never known. But I will be with you. And so the psalmist captures that, and I love that. Isn't that refreshing to know? 9-11 didn't happen to us, and it should not have happened to us, and it was ne- these things are not what God intended. But it woke us up because we realized the storms fall on us. In 9-11, by the way, amongst the 2,996 people that died, a good number of them were Muslims, agnostics, not just Christians, atheists, Buddhists. Tragedy and violence is not discriminant. So, Psalmist is reminding us of that. So, where do we go? So, I want to keep going in that. And he says, going on, verse 4, God is our refuge and strength, and ever-present help in trouble. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, this city. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. How cool is that? God lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Now, Psalmist is saying, God is our fortress. God is our fortress. And now, here's what I know that I expected. No one is going to go, oh, that's a good one, Jason. Let me write that one down. God is our fortress. No no one is shocked, right? No one is thinking like, that just blew my mind. But I want to say, we have to be reminded of that. It's one of those truths that we know so much that we forget what that means. So let me give you a backdrop of Psalm 46 when they say God is our refuge. Psalm 46 was written at a time that makes its sense. Psalm 46 was written at a time, it was based in 2 Kings chapter 19. Israel had been divided, their northern nation and a southern nation, and the northern nation got conquered by Assyria, Babylon and Assyria. So the southern nation of Judah, southern nation of Israel, Judah, they're hanging on, and the king at the time is Hezekiah, and he's surrounded by this empire, Assyria. King Sennacherib is saying, I'm going to take you down. Just, just picture that, okay? We're in La Mirada. A hundred thousand soldiers are outside, and they're saying, we're going to take you down. What do you do? And so let me give you a text. This is what the king of Syria said to Hezekiah. Say to Hezekiah, king of Judah, do not let the God you depend on deceive you when he says, Jerusalem will not be given into the hands of the king of Assyria. So the king of Assyria is saying, you remind that Judah king who's boss, his God is worthless. I'm about to come in. Verse 11, surely you have heard that the kings of Assyria have done all to all the countries, destroying them completely, and will you be delivered? Did the gods of the nations that were destroyed by my predecessors deliver them? The gods of Gozan, Haran, Rezepah, and the people of Eden who were in Tel Asar? Where is the king of Hamath and king of Arpad? Where are the kings of Lair, Sepharim, Hena, and Iva? In other words, did you guys just see what we did? You could believe in all the gods you want, but we are the empire of Assyria. Nothing stands in our way. 
not even any gods. That's comforting. You all get a text message saying, hey, you're about to be conquered. What do you do? And so the psalmist and King Hezekiah looks around and they see a wall. They see an army of men in their own city. They see a fortress of Jerusalem standing firm with armies sieging them. (laughs) Candles and campfire and enemies ready to just start attacking. And they could say, we have a fortress. They could say, we have an army. Young people will say, we have a hulk. You know, this is the common thing that they say. But what they're saying is this. We have a wall. We have a refuge. We have a fortress. And his name is God, the Lord Almighty. They're saying our trust is not in what we have. It's who we know. Our trust is not what we can do, but who has redeemed us and who lives with us. You know, I think we live like that. Some of us are really secure. It's easy to live good, faithful life when you have a nice house, steady job, health is good, and you're like, life is good. The real test of faith comes when? When all of that gets scattered away, and the question comes, who is your God? Who is your security? And the refuge idea is this. So Psalmist writes, God is our fortress. God is our strength. God is our ever help in trouble. I love how uh, Eugene Peterson in the message, this is his word in verse 6. Godless nations rant and rave, kings and kingdoms threaten, but earth does anything he says. Let me read that one more time. Godless nations rant and rave, kings and kingdoms threaten, but earth does anything he says. You know, right now, I can't watch the news. It gives me a headache. You know, Hillary, Trump, got the libertarians, you got debates, you got Assad, you got Kim Jong-un. You're just like, what is it? And all these people are jockeying for position. You get the Filipino president all of a sudden, dissing, and you're like, what is going on here? And all these empires are saying, do you know who we are? We got a nuclear bomb. Do you know who we are? We got a stealth jet that costs a couple billion. That doesn't work well. You know, we, we make these mucho macho statements and the psalmist writes this. You could talk all you want, but when God speaks, it's the end of the story. The earth melts. Do you see God as that big of a God? I think we got to see God as that God. You know, I think our strength and courage and faith is maybe in our bank accounts, maybe in what we have. In church, maybe it's program. I'm guilty of that. And what the psalmist is reminding us, when the world is unstable, guess who your confidence has to be in? Is, is it big God who speaks and all the kings just bow? Um, the word confidence is the word that we're aiming for. Do you live with confidence? Do you know what confidence means? What does con mean in, in Latin? Con is Spanish. Con is, oh, come on. I know we have Spanish-speaking people in our church. Con is with. Fide is faith. Confidence is not living with, I know what life is going to be. Confidence is knowing I have faith in someone who lets me move. Isn't that cool? Do you live with this confidence that God is your refuge? 
9-11 and times like this remind us, do I live with a confidence that God is with me? Here's a third theme, and it's a shorter one, but we'll kind of, the third theme is this, that God is our refuge and strength, but also God is on his way to eradicate all wars. I love this text. Ready? Comments, can you read this with me? I think it's there. Oh, it's not there. I'll read it. (laughs) Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters a spear. He burns the shields with fire. How many of you have locks on your doors? Because I just want to know, so when you're here, I could call my friends to take all your TV. And How many have a safe deposit box? Right? Oh, I'm just kidding. That's too personal. Uh, what's your social security number? No, I'm kidding. We live in this world where we need locks, right? We need alarm systems. We live in a world where we do need the Navy, Army, Air Force, Marines. We live in a world where we need police officers with guns, where we need people who are vigilant. We need people. And we live in this kind of world. Can you imagine for a moment, though, just take a deep breath. Imagine a world where one day people can't bomb anyone. Imagine a world one day where humans can't kill or hurt or maim one another. Imagine a day when God is saying parents will love their children fully and perfectly, where children will not be orphaned or abused or sold into trafficking. Imagine a day when all the wars cease, not because there's a truth, truce, but because there's a conquest of the God Almighty who says, done. What the psalmist is saying is, in light of this war and terror attacks, there's a day coming and God is going to break the bow. God is going to burn the shield. Why would you burn the shield, folks? I don't need the shield anymore. There is no tear, pain, disease, because God has established his city perfectly. God is our refuge and our strength. God is this amazing, triumphant God, and the day is coming when our aches and our violence ceases. Wow. So I want to end with this kind of application. And the application's built in. Can you read this with me? Ready? He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Do you live with that confidence? You see, there are two things here. Be still. The Hebrew word for be still, it literally means this, settle down and surrender. I confess, I'm a control freak. I do things. I, when there's a broken something, I need to fix it. I confess, I can't sit still. Uh, I challenge the people who are 20s, 20 you young ones, to sit in silence for 10 minutes and do nothing. I dare you. I double dog dare you without checking your phone. I dare you to go to the bathroom without your phone. Oh, now you, now you went there. And so the stillness is this. You stop fighting so that God can be God. I think 
the tendency of human fear and anxiety is we must do something. And that's true. Injustice doesn't go away by itself. The church, the people had to step up and live out against wrong and evil. But we don't do that out of our might. Psalm 20 verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. 21st century version, Some people trust in their looks and abilities and their accomplishments and their assets, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Being still is recognizing, God, you are God. You are worthy, God. And it comes out in worship. It comes out in this confidence. Why do you look so peaceful? Are you not aware of what's going on in our country? No, I am aware. I am not settled. But I have a peace because there's a God who's fighting for us. He is my refuge and my rock. And so this second part goes, be still, and then what's the second part? And know that I am God. We know of God, and the psalmist is saying, do you know God? After 9-11, I hear this. Even yesterday, I, see, I read the comments just to see what the world is thinking, and they're like, all right, you guys could believe a fairy tale in the sky, but this kind of belief is what made people drive and fly planes into the buildings. And I was thinking, I understand their pain, but it's so shallow. It's saying because of a few, all of it is discredited. Do you know God? And so some people say, there is a God, I can't believe in him because he's cruel or he's, he's ambivalent or he's just selfish. He just wants worship. And that's why we look at the whole scriptures. And from Old Testament to New, you see a God who loves you. You see a God who's been chasing after his people. You see a God who's sending a Jonah to be swallowed by a fish so he could preach to a wicked city called Nineveh. And so how do we know this God? And so I go to this text, John 14. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, that, we will be, that will be enough for us. And Jesus says, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? You know how we know God today? It's look into the face of Jesus. And to realize he is not just an object we worship, but he is our everything. That our hope is not in a church, it's not even in good things, but it is in a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. I want to show you this video. It's three minutes, and then we'll wrap up. My sisters and brothers... Let us pray. We pray for peace. We pray that this will never ever happen again. Bless us in all religion together in harmony as sisters and brothers of the same God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
On September 13, uh, 2001, a uh, construction worker named Frank Seletcher of uh, local 731 laborers uh, was going to World Trade Center 6 part of the uh, recovery operation, hopefully looking for uh, live bodies. We uh, searched the whole building. It took us the better part of the whole evening. We only came up with three bodies and no survivors. While he was there, he did a double take, and he noticed right on the uh, on the ground of World Trade Center 6, there was a, uh, a structure that looked like a, a Christian cross. And I directed the firefighter that was assisting me to take a look into the pit. In the middle stood the cross. It brought such overwhelming feelings to me that it dropped me to my knees in tears. And that gave him great comfort and consolation, and he was telling people. And within 10 days later, he showed it to me, and I verified this is truly important, and this needs to be preserved and for the world to see. But on September 23rd, when I found out about the cross which Vice Chancellor founded, I made an immediate phone call to First Deputy Mayor Joseph Loda that we needed to preserve the cross and keep it ground zero. Within a few moments, I got a call personally from the mayor, Rudolph Giuliani. He said, Father, absolutely, we will keep that cross at ground zero as a reminder of God's love for all of us. Well, it brings back very, very strong memories of the days after September 11th. The cross was discovered two days after. Uh, Father Jordan uh, was able to focus on it and put it in a very important place, right, where all of the recovery efforts were going on. And then he would say Mass there every Sunday, sometimes during the week, have other religious services there. It became like a rallying cry or a focal point for many people. I know there's all these issues about religion and but this was beyond religion. This was a significant part of what happened in the days after September 11th that kept a lot of people going. Ladies and gentlemen, this is beyond belief. The World Trade Center buildings are gone. They are ashes. This is how we found on September 13, 2001. This is how we see This will be the last day we'll be outside. We've been outside for nearly 10 years. This was the worst attack in the history of the United States. It was uh, intended to break our spirit, and instead of it breaking our spirit, people emerged stronger from it. That uh, cross symbolizes that, and I'm very glad that it's going to be part of the memorial. Now the Ground Zero Cross, which has a 10-year journey, it finally has its, uh, its resting place, its final home here in the museum. The cross means to me healing, comfort, something to look for as an avenue to comfort your sorrow. Uh, help revitalize you. Got to remember, on that day, our faith was crushed. And through that cross, it helps rebuild our faith. Because terrorism took down the towers. But faith rebuilds our hearts. How do we know that God loves us? When we look at the cross, he just doesn't sit afar and says, I'll help you. But he goes into the rubble and the fires and death. He enters into the suffering in order to save us. And somebody once said, I cannot believe in a God if there wasn't for the cross. I can't believe in a God who is just separate and apart. But because of the cross, Jesus enters into your darkest pains. And he's saying, I'm not going to just help you through it. I am in here with you, alongside you, despite it. 
And that is God's love for you and I when he took our sins. And that's a reminder. Something in that rubble made these men cry when they saw that hope. The reminder that God is not apart from us or abandoned us, but he is in the midst of the death to give us resurrection. May we have that confidence an incredible God. Would you join me in prayer? And I don't know what you're going through, but I know we could pray for our nation. I know that we could pray for our community. We could pray for your lives, and we could pray for the La Mirada neighborhood and beyond and say, Lord, there are many people whose mountains are falling and waters are rising. And even in our families are people whose shattered foundations are rocking their world, and they're looking for a refuge. And they're recognizing what they thought was their security. It's not big enough. So may we pray, God, you are our refuge and strength. You are ever-present in time of trouble. And so would you join me in a time of prayer, friends? Lord God, we've just come before you. We recognize that you are the God, our stronghold. In the midst of a broken world, in the midst of a nation, still trembling in turmoil, you are the hope that rises up out of the ashes. You are the hope, the Savior who came into the pits. And so, Lord God, may our hearts rise up in the midst. May your Holy Spirit just flow out and open our eyes. And to bring in the wounded, to bring in the hurt, to bring in the lost, as well as for us to go out into this community in your name's sake to proclaim this hope that it's not just for us individually nor for the church but to God that this hope is meant to be shared and seen by the world to know you are the one true God who has not come to destroy us but you come to reclaim us so God may you hear the prayers of this people would you hear and know the pains of their hearts would you increase our faith and would you allow us to rise with you Thank you, Jesus. Have your way in us. Have your way in our community. May your kingdom come and may your kingdom go. Father, we we thank you for being a God who is in our midst. We thank you for being the God when the world seems like it's falling apart. No emperor, no empire, no king can dethrone you. You are the king of kings. Would you be our foundation? Would you go ahead of us? And even when our wings are clipped or we're crippled now, would you remind us again that you and in you, Jesus, our hope rises? Because as you rose again from the dead, that we too will rise. Thank you. We pray these things in the prayer that your son taught us as we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.